0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Inside Support Driven Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Chan. And today we're talking with Brian El from Saster, one of the largest conferences and communities for SaaS businesses. Welcome to the show, Brian.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me, Scott. Great to see you. Yes, yeah, good
0: to see you again as well. Just a quick side story. Brian had actually spoken at one of our conferences back, or not spoken, he he led a panel at one of our conferences back in Portland, back in the before times. And that is the topic for today, right? Is conferences. Because I'm super curious to hear what's going on with SASTR and just how you've handled the pandemic and how that's shifted things for you. Yeah,
1: it's a good question too. So if you're listening and you're not exactly sure, you don't exactly remember Saster. So Saster is, as Scott said a minute ago, we're the largest community for SAS executives, founders, uh, and entrepreneurs. What's been crazy, we've been known, right? We've had 12 years of doing this, but we've been known for our flagship SASTER annual event, which took place every year in the San Francisco Bay area, 50,000 people showing like right, that's the, the biggest and best, the big thought leaders, right? COVID was hard, man. During COVID, we mm-hmm. lost the majority of our business. I mean, yeah. overnight, scary times. Right. The company had to really take some measures to understand what do we do? How do we shift? So I come into to this company at a really interesting time because they just come off that year of transition and they've done it in such a way and with grace that I'm excited. And there's a lot of opportunity ahead for events and for the space and for what it's going to do to help us all change and think about how do we engage with each other at an event yeah. in the future? And so a few things happened for Saster. First is that the COVID actually allowed us to take pause and take a look at our community. And it allowed us to really carve in and see wow, we have these niches that mm-hmm. seem to predominantly engage with us, that there are these opportunities for different subset communities and that we could cater to them in a really unique way. Additionally, it gave us the opportunity to think about our content standard. Mm -hmm. And how do we continue to produce that really high content bar while at the same time produce an event that people are going to value in piecing those two together? So what we did is over the past year, we did five digital events that were really curated and built for specific genres. And they were so successful, it actually increased our reach. We had over 500,000 people engaged with our events over the past year, which was crazy. Yeah. And so now we're thinking about the future here. And I think we're going to be back in person in September, which, you know, okay, not, so, knock on wood.
0: So I, I want to touch on that, but also I want to talk about the digital events. What makes them different from a Zoom call? Because I have not been to them, so I don't have a Zoom call.
1: It's a great question. I think it's just different from not only a Zoom call, but from a webinar. Mm-hmm. Right? I think when we first started COVID, there was a webinar every day. Right, <laughs> like, right. I felt like there was at least three or four that I was invited to. I was like, yeah, I'm getting saturated. I have work to do. Right. And and so yeah. at first they were nice because like, oh, we can still do business. And we all wanted right. to hold on to that. But then it became annoying. So like viewership dropped. So we didn't want to be another webinar. Mm-hmm. It's just not what we wanted. We wanted the Saster conference to maintain the integrity it's had for over a decade. Right. And what we did uh, is we said, well, we first experimented with the idea of digital booths.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did that go?
1: No, nah, it didn't go, right? Like it didn't <laughs> work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So we were like, all right, people don't want that. What do they want? They want to be able to speak. They want to be able to speak about their topic and about Mm -hmm. thought leadership. And I think one of the biggest things that was a differentiator, well, first off, the biggest thing that came out of COVID when it comes to branding and Mm -hmm. brands trying to figure out what to do is they started thinking about thought leadership as the way in which they can engage their community and the community they won't engage with their brand. That was cool. I actually love that. I think it was a really smart movement, but Saster took it a step further. And we've always had an enormous network of insanely talented VCs and C suite members. And so we were like, what if they were the thought leaders? Right. What if they were driving the conversations? Right. And that's what we did. And that so we're not just another Zoom call. Our conferences are thought leadership pieces from the unicorns, from no, the people exactly. that are doing this every day that are growing their business to a hundred million dollars and beyond in recurring revenue. Thank and you. I, we become that thought leadership piece, that baseline for success, which we've been trying to be in and, and have had success doing for, you know, Very for cool. as long as we've been around. Yeah.
0: Very cool. And so you mentioned that you're thinking to be in person in September.
1: Yeah. So I, every day I wake up, I go outside, I start doing jumping jacks and calisthenics and uh, trying to serve whatever spiritual energy is in my yard to maybe make it happen that in-person events will happen <laughs> we put in a rain dance there yeah. I don't know if it'll work but so, you know, I'm spitting over my shoulder every five seconds it's <laughs> we, we yeah we are going to be in person in September in some way shape or form uh, we're going to make every effort to do it but the idea is that we're going to do it safely and we will couple it So we're thinking at least on having Mm -hmm. some sort of digital offering as well for the brands that need that. But we've gotten a lot of response from brands that they want to be in person. This is where they want to be.
0: Right. So will it be a hybrid event or will the digital things be completely separate?
1: I think if we did a hybrid event, we would probably dilute our audience. So it would be if if you're trying to have people that are in person drive Mm -hmm. something digital, what does that even mean? How does that work? No one's ever done it yet. I think what we would do is we'd probably have and this is all hypothetical still, like we, nothing's right. been solidified, but if I could imagine what this could look like, what if we had some sort of digital component or day for the people that can't be in person? And then what if we then just drove the regular day of in-person, right? And maybe simulcasted some of the big talks into our gotcha. network. So we're trying to just play with the the format. Nothing's there yet. All we know yeah. is that where you want to get back in person because that's where everyone wants to be. Yeah, You
0: know, that's the thing that I've seen is there is still a lot of demand for in-person, right? People are just like waiting. It almost feels like people are waiting for other people to do it first. Yeah. Like, like, you know, they want to do it, but they don't necessarily want to be the first ones to do it. And that's right. And so so I I know that in-person will come back, right? It's just a matter of when. Yep. And that's the thing, it feels, as a conference organizer, it feels really a bit of making a bet, right, of where things will be in September and just where the country's going to be. And if Sastra draws an international audience, which I, which I'm pretty sure it does, what the state of international travel is going to be in.
1: Yeah, the reality is that's where the digital audience will probably mm-hmm. make somewhat sense of having right. something digital. Europe is still in a very strict lockdown for the most part. And whereas we see in the States some areas opening, our European friends aren't as lucky yet, but we serve everyone. We'll figure out the way to, to yeah. contribute to that audience. But I think for the reality is that, you know, for instance, I know that we right now have reserved the San Mateo Convention Center. Yeah. Whether we can do it there, well, right. that's up to their governor. But <laughs> also, we also have backups in Miami Beach and Vegas and things of that oh, nature. Sure. We are thinking about how do we get this done? What yeah. areas will allow us to do it? And then, like, just drive, man. Drive oh, to okay. it. And get it okay. done.
0: Okay. So, well, I appreciate that. Uh, you are out there. I feel blazing the trials for, for this type of professional conference. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, like, like I said, a lot of us want to go, but few of us want to be first. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. And, but I think honestly, just there's a way to do something safe mm-hmm. right. and safety right. matters. Right. And, but at the same time, like community matters right. and protect your community, protect the safety. If you can check those boxes, it should work out. And I think that to anyone listening, thinking about, should I go to an in-person event? Look, there's word on the street that New York is going to open up their, their vaccines in another three or four weeks to everyone. Well, wow. That's, that opens up a lot of opportunity. Right. And that's not just New York. That's, that's coming. And it's not even May yet. Right. It's not even April yet. So to think September, October, what's the world look like? I'm very confident and I'm, I'm optimistic. And so I think that we have a great opportunity ahead of us yeah. to see the change and, and come back to reality and maybe share a cocktail with a colleague. So
0: <laughs> right. I want to go back to the virtual event yeah. for a bit where with the virtual events, what platforms were you using? Did you charge for them? Because I guess the whole operational side of it is in some ways similar, but also in, in many ways different than an in-person yeah. conference. Yeah.
1: It's funny. You have to pick and choose your Mm -hmm. monetization idea. For us, we wanted to keep the content Mm -hmm. available to our community. That was really important to us. And in fact, Mm -hmm. so much so that we started really embracing our live stream on Jason's Twitter feed, on our YouTube channel. Jason alone gets over 500,000 followers on his Twitter feed, right? That's crazy. The reach there is nuts. And then when you simulcast there, what Mm -hmm. happens is you have 20, 30, 40, 60, 80,000 people watching a single event. That's not something that happens in person, right? Right. That's crazy. So that's exciting. We want that. We want that value added to our community. That's really great. The second side is you have 20,000 people on our YouTube channels. When you couple the platforms, exciting things happen. So what we've decided, though, is whereas we make the content open, Mm -hmm. our networking side, which is really valuable, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about the people that attend disaster. We're talking about the C-suite VP level. We're talking right. about venture capitalists. We have so many really interesting people. You want to network with these people. Okay, now we yeah. talk about charges. And occasionally there's a there's a VIP only session or something of that, but that's not the norm, right? That's outside of it. The second piece, I think, to platforms. So we try to combine a, a, a few of them, but I actually don't think we've really figured out yet exactly mm-hmm. the best ones. So when I say that, I think it's because We're using a few different platforms to try Mm -hmm. to solve uh, a bunch of different uh, (laughs) needs. And that's, for instance, like Swapcard was a platform that we've used to go and and try to figure out how to have an Mm on-site virtual conference. But we also wanted to have the networking piece. So that component had to be facilitated through another service. And then we had to have, we wanted to have a, a registration site. So that was a facilitated through something else. So there's still like conferences have evolved, but the software to get us there hasn't yet been right. kept up, but <laughs> exciting things ahead for companies like Hopin and things like that, where, what was it? They just raised $400 million. Like that's a crazy round as a series. That's nuts.
0: Especially for something that was not mainstream, right? Like two years ago. Like- Wasn't
1: Um, mainstream. I remember using them two years ago, and even a year ago, and they were still in their infant stages of development. They were still had. They were still. They were even open about that, saying, "Hey, yeah, we're still young. We're figuring it out." And yet, boom, four hundred million bucks. Like, holy goodness! (laughs) What's next year look like for them? Right,
0: presumably, right? There's the after COVID. What happens after COVID? Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to chat with you about was your content and kind of the programs that you've built out. From that right because i took a look at the, the sponsorship opportunities and there's a lot of content kind of opportunities in that deck more so than i would have guessed was there like a year ago right when things were yeah. in person yeah yeah i just wanted to hear how did that come together and, and how it's going
1: that's a great question yeah when you were to sponsor us in person like the speaking and the sponsorship was a separation of church and state right like they were not together they were handled by two different teams You were sponsoring, you were getting a booth, you were engaging with your community hands-on. In digital, that's where we originally had said, okay, well, we'll do the digital booth. And then that was just like a, (laughs) right? Like that just didn't work. We had to evolve. And what the sponsorship becomes is that speaking opportunity. Like the one thing that people valued of Saster. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is advice for any brand out there thinking about their events. But the one thing that was value of Saster is people want to speak in the Sastr stage. They always will. We're the largest community for SAS B2B. And putting your brand in front of that community has tremendous value, huge outcomes, big value, right? right. So for us, we said, okay, well, let's make that the sponsorship. And that's the sponsorship. And like we still have the ability for you to go be a speaker. You can still mm-hmm. apply. But mm-hmm. for the most part, like the way you guarantee your speaking session is mm-hmm. through that sponsorship. Okay. And it's so valuable right. that we're driving thousands of leads for every session. It's for every piece of content that's coming out of that session. And then we do the long tail of it forever. We'll capture that, hold it, curate it, and give the long yeah. tail back. What it comes out to being is an extremely valuable asset. That a company can reuse and
0: distribute. So, gotcha. And then does that ties into speaking on the stage? But like, I also saw opportunities for creating written content or sponsoring the podcast. Or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. So outside of our event sponsorships, we do a a huge amount of of media. Part of building this brand, back in 2014, 15, they started the podcast. Today, the Saster podcast is over 150,000 downloads a month, right? That's crazy. Our newsletters have hundreds of thousands of impressions every single month. Our Saster Insider, hundreds of thousands of impressions every month. What we have are these brand assets, these media assets that for a demand gen leader, are very sought after and valuable. And so, yeah, you have the ability to place your brand through our different content and make it so that you're being a part of the story. Yeah. And so best-in-class brands that are doing events, couple it yeah. with media for like a one-two punch to make it so that they are striving their brand story from beginning to end. And that's that's been very efficient.
0: And so like, it all makes sense, right? How easy was it for... Brands to get on board with these new ways to work. You have
1: believers and non believers, Scott. That's what it comes down to, right? You have <laughs> believers and non believers. There's always going to be the marketer that, and in real life person. There's always the marketer that is willing to try new things. There's always the marketer or the brand right. that says, we still have to do something. We still have to engage in our
0: audience. Yeah, have to be and I, out there. Yeah.
1: What's that? Yeah, they have, right? And I remember working at Aircall mm-hmm. and having a conversation with Colin Cadmus. And he had once said to me, to be at Saster is to exist in SAS. <laughs> and I thought that was the most arrogant thing to be said about a company. And then I really got to know Saster. I was like, oh, I get it. There is an element of people want to be a part of something. They still want to continue the conversation. You can't have two or three years of just nothing and then expect to have something later. So people are continuing their conversations. That's that's, just, they have to stay top of mind somewhere. And just because your customer isn't meeting with you in person doesn't mean that they're not devouring content every single day because they are. Right. Right.
0: Because they're still there doing their thing. They still have their needs and you might be able to help them.
1: Our online community has grown at 200% uh, year over year. So people want more content. That's right. what they're devouring right now while they're in lockdown and hiding in their closet.
0: <laughs> well, so for all the marketers out there, right? Do, do you feel like they self-select themselves or, or do you feel like there's a part where you're trying to educate people? Right? Well,
1: we always try to educate. Okay. That's for sure. I think education is a huge piece. There's a lot of disbelief still, I think, in the digital side. But then there's also a lot of believers in the digital side. Right. So. I, that's where I believe I kind of carve it up pretty simply into believers and non-believers. Like, it's like, well, they either in it or they're not, but there is ability for us to tell the story. Some workers don't want to hear it though. And they have the way they've been conducting business 15, 20, 30, 40 years right. for them to try to teach them something new is like, that's not going to happen. There's a mix, but there's enough of a mix to make it interesting and yeah. to keep it exciting and to uh, keep me employed. So it's good right now. You know,
0: Very cool. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Um, I know you have to go. So thank you for you know, making time to chat. It's always great to catch up with you. And so where can our audience find out more about you?
1: Yeah, Scott, thank you. And thanks for having me on here today. For those that want to engage with me or anything that I can help with, I uh, am religiously on LinkedIn to a point where it's at a detriment to possibly my marriage. Just kidding. <laughs> Honey, if you're listening to this, I'm totally kidding. I love you. The reality, go on to LinkedIn, look me up. Brian is with a Y, L-S-S-R is a lot of E's, S's, but if you just put Saster, you'll find me. And yeah, Scott, thanks so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. And I really love your community. So this was great. Thank you. Awesome.
0: Thank you.